Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. mean then the title of this thing extraordinary machine um it's called extraordinary machine because that was kind of like my um hopeful pet name for myself you call you i thought you maybe had an extraordinary machine like something could make waffles and no like give me like no like give me anything be mean to me do whatever anything life hit me with whatever and i will it'll go through me and it'll come out something nice Coming off her sophomore album, Apple said she felt she didn't have anything left in her to write about. Instead of focusing on trying to write new material, she took the approach that if songs came to her, she would write, but otherwise she would say, oh well, it's been fun. I only write when I'm angry or sad or something because that's when I just have to write and I only will work if I absolutely have to. If I'm having a good time and if I'm having a good time and I'm happy and things are going really well, why would I want to stop what I'm doing to go and write at the piano? Her attitude towards performing live was also entering a period of exhaustion. While playing a show in 2000, she had a very public breakdown on stage. Playing to a sold-out crowd of 3,000 at New York's Roseland Ballroom, she seemed unhappy about the sound and her inability to hear herself. She struggled through a version of Carry On, openly crying, and then abruptly fled the stage after 40 minutes. It was at this point that she contemplated retiring from the industry. If I don't feel like writing songs, I will not force myself to make an album, just pull one out of my ass just so that I can continue to be in the spotlight or something, or to continue to... It doesn't always have to be my career. There's nothing that... There's no law that says that I have to have this as my career my whole life. While this didn't happen, it would be six years before her third album would be released. How much time had elapsed between this and the last record? Six? Was it six years? Six what, what were you doing? Nothing. Just hanging? Um, I really wasn't doing much at all. I feel now, in looking back, that I should have been doing something interesting so that I would have something interesting to talk about when this question was asked of me, and also because it would just be good to have accomplished something over six years. But I guess I was writing some, and then um, I also, for a time, I kind of just decided to just lie easy, and I got really dependent on um, television a little bit. And, um, like what? You were just sitting at home just watching reruns? Well, just, uh, just uh, pretty much just Columbo. I hardly ever leave my house or my neighborhood. I got my handful of friends and my handful of nice places that I like to go, and that's really enough for me. During her self-imposed hiatus, Apple would meet with John Bryan weekly. It was Bryan that eventually got Apple to start writing and recording again. Bryan encouraged her to continue working, and they set up studio sessions to create another album. During some of Brian's Friday night residency shows at Club Largo in LA, Apple would appear and they would debut some new songs. Brian and Apple started recording in 2002 at Oceanway Studios, as well as a converted Paramore mansion, and even did some strings and orchestration at Abbey Road. Excited to release a new album, Epic Records set an initial date of November 2002 for her third release. However, it soon became clear that things were not going as planned. 
It's up for debate, but according to some, the problems began when Sony Epic heard the songs and found there was nothing they felt was commercially viable as a single. Apparently they wanted another criminal. The release date was pushed to spring of 2003, and Epic released a statement saying it was still being worked on. Rather than give up immediately, Apple and Brian went back into the studio to try and retool the songs to meet the label's demands. According to future Apple producer Brian Kehue, when he visited the studio, he found the pair were having trouble making things come out right, even though the songs were great. He says they kept having to go back and tweak things because the label didn't like it or find it commercial enough. This finally reached a breaking point when the label wanted to send in their own representatives to oversee the project. Apple was frustrated and felt finished, and Brian had to move on to other scheduled projects. At this point, the story of Extraordinary Machine took on a life of its own. Fans heard that their favorite artist was being mistreated and that her long-awaited third album was being held hostage by Sony. This was aided by the fact that someone had leaked the Brian Session songs onto the internet and BitTorrent sites. These leaks got positive reviews from the New York Times, Entertainment Weekly, and other publications, who called the new songs playful, odd, eccentric, and compared them to Brian Wilson's lost album, Smile, although it's worth noting that Brian was not happy with the leak and felt those versions were not an accurate representation of what they had recorded. Kehue adds that the versions leaked were not what he had heard in the studio and even asserted that some of the parts were added by a fan and not Brian or Apple. Regardless, fans started the Free Fiona campaign, as it was known, at one point shipping 1,000 foam apples to the label's headquarters. Later, they protested in front of Sony HQ in New York, wearing red apple beanies, holding a giant sign that said, We, the fans of Fiona Apple, are very upset with your company's decision not to release Extraordinary Machine, which has been complete since May of 2003. As you can interpret from the number of signatures and the comments that follow, there are many people who anxiously await this release. Please release Fiona Apple's Extraordinary Machine. Yeah, but I heard I got a phone call and it was like so out of place and just why now in the middle of Colombo to get a business phone call about making the record because it was like I already got over all my sadness. It wasn't going to happen. I resigned myself to lying on the couch and, you know, I was all ready to do that. And then I heard about it and then, you know, it was my manager, Steve, and he said, uh, there's a protest going on uh, with those free Fiona people. And I said, what free Fiona people? First of all, I think that it had a lot more to do with just the state of the music business than just me. I think that I was a really good case to focus on, but they like, they set a goal and they went and they did it. And I swear, I, I don't think that the record company is going to say this at all, but I believe, and I know the truth, that I think that what they did really got my record out. If only Twitter and hashtags had existed then. FreeFiona.com is still online, though it hasn't been updated in about a decade. Despite fan efforts to get the album released, it is not clear that either Brian or Apple were very happy with the songs as they existed. They both expressed interest in trying to remake the songs. Although the rumors of a rift between Brian and Apple at this time may be exaggerated, Apple decided to go back into the studio and re-record the songs with new producers and without Brian. Some have said Apple wasn't satisfied with Brian's production, with its busy arrangements full of old-fashioned instruments. Some sources have said Brian was cool on all fronts regarding the re-recording of the album, while Brian himself said 
She re-recorded a bunch of stuff, but whatever, that's her business. I remain a fan and think she's great. Further evidence that the drama may be overblown, Fiona and John continued to play together at Largo, even after the re-recording began. Apple went to Phantom Studio, Mike Elizondo's home studio in LA, and began working with Elizondo and Brian Kehue to restructure Extraordinary Machine. Elizondo had played bass on Win the Pawn, and was known for his mainstream pop work with Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Carrie Underwood, and as co-writer of 50 Cent's Into Club. Kehue was a member of the Moog Cookbook synth cover band, and had worked with Beck, Amy Mann, Matthew Sweet, and the Talking Heads, among many others. Some new players were brought in to retool the songs, including Questlove of the Roots on drums. In about one month, they re-recorded nine songs and tracked a new one. Epic announced in August of 2005 that the third Fiona Apple album would finally come out in October. The version released would keep two of the Brian tracks wholesale, the first and last tracks, while the rest were from the Elizondo sessions. The cover of the album was possibly the easiest part of the whole ordeal, Kihu recalls. To avoid a photo shoot, Fiona took a picture of an Agapanthus, or Lily of the Nile, shortly before Bloom. After its release, Extraordinary Machine garnered much praise. It was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Album in 2006, and in 2009 was named the 49th Best Album of the 2000s by Rolling Stone. In 2020, it was ranked at number 444 on the magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. If you want to hear the John Bryan demos, I recommend YouTube. If you want to take a deep dive into the official release of Extraordinary Machine, I recommend Discographology. I'll make the most of it. I'm an extraordinary machine. Ah, oh, that sounds like the doorbell. Come on in. <laughs> does that not sound like a doorbell it to anyone else? It does sound like a doorbell. It does. Okay. Anyway, welcome back to Discographology, the podcast where the nickel dropped when I was on my way beyond the Rubicon. <laughs> this episode, we're doing Fiona Apple's third album, Extraordinary Machine. So first things first, what is our past history with this album? And did we listen in any special way? And going first, I'll say that although I was into title, her first one, I somehow missed Win the Pawn. Big oversight on my part. But I, in 2005, I remember very clearly um, the day it dropped, I was just like, oh, Fiona Apple's back. I knew nothing of all this background that I just spoke about in the intro. All this troubled production, con uh, you know, the two versions of the album. All I knew was that Fiona Apple was back after a long time not releasing a record and that I wanted to take a listen and I bought it and I really liked it. And I still have that CD. Uh, it's a good shape. And I listened to that CD. Um, I uh, also, oh, th this is the only one I should mention. This is the only one my wife and I of Fiona Apple's albums don't own on vinyl. And this, this along with, uh, the Idler Wheel and maybe some of the others are, are incredibly expensive to try to buy uh, on the aftermarket. This one hasn't been reprinted. Uh, so yeah, n no, no viable way to get that. But CD was good. And I actually ordered um, this one. So 2005 was like the heyday for the dual disc. Remember the dual disc uh, DVD on one side, CD on the other? 
Yes. I, I the do version, that's I the version it. I have. <laughs> yeah. So the, I stupidly, I bought the one that's just a regular CD. Preparing for this podcast, I ordered the dual disc so that I could, one, hear the high quality, uh, high resolution audio on the CD or on, on the DVD side and watch. There's like, uh, I believe music videos and live at Largo performances of some songs on the DVD. It didn't come in time. So the fucking thing still isn't here. So I didn't get to do that. Oh, no. Uh, but uh, I still, uh, uh, you know, I got what I needed. You, um, you know, Blake, so yeah. you said that uh, you didn't know anything about the drama about this before mm-hmm. you bought it. I have to tell you, that kind of thing is is catnip for me. Uh, that kind of lore and and mythology around an album. So that was actually what initially piqued my interest about this when it came out. I think. Were I had, you going to freefiona.com? I was. No, I was probably not, but I know I definitely was aware of it, and it, it was something that I was like, "Ooh, wow. a, a mythical album that uh, you know, right. the record, the man won't let you hear." So I went out and bought yeah. it when it came out. I actually bought it at Walmart of all places. I don't. I just was there. Wait, it, was, a, it was there, wait, and stick I, it to the man. <laughs> <laughs> I was good, like, good thing the, it's the not man. Parental advisory. It, that man uh, is Sam Walton. I, I, you know what I think it was? I think it was when I made the decision, like I'm going to buy this. All the record shops were closed. <laughs> it was like in late <laughs> in the evening, and I was like, I'm going to go to Walmart and buy it. Um, nice. And I, I, yeah. So I bought it when it came out. This was the first Fiona Apple album I heard, and uh, I really liked it at the time. I'll have to say honestly, didn't listen to it much in between then and now. Like I was yeah. really into it for probably that year after it came I out, and then I just kind of dropped off with it. And this has been the first time I've revisited it since then. So that's sort cool. of my my history there um, with it. Uh, Matt, Matt, what about you? Mm-hmm. My history with this record is is tied with your history with this record. Uh, I, I don't know if we if I was living at your house at the time when when you were going on that deep dive, but I, I do remember you being very Probably. into O Sailor, uh, and, <laughs> and it being um, it being on on VH1 at the time. I have heard other songs uh, off of this, to, you know, just picked them up here and there, but uh, never all the way through on this. Uh, so it, it was it was neat to kind of hear everything uh, as as sequenced um i had even heard the alternate version of one of the tracks out out there and wasn't aware of all of the kind of drama and and backstory with the record so you know just thought it was a weird alternate version uh not that there was this whole um whole situation with a whole separate record but um which track uh it's red 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 that's the most different one yeah Uh, yeah yeah, and and we'll we'll get into it. I've got some thoughts on right. it. Right. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I I re, you know it sounded uh, sounded real good uh, th- through my headphones here. So yeah, I have no background with this. So and I listen on headphones. So I don't really have anything. This was all brand new experience for me. All right, Logan's Newbie. coming in cold. You know what? The, you know what headphones version. are. Headphones are an extraordinary machine. Oh, okay. I don't know. I was trying to segue somehow. First track. (laughs) All right. So first track is Fiona Apple's first title track. Track one, Extraordinary Machine. If there was a better way to go than it would find me. I can't help it. The road just rolls out behind me. Be kind to me or treat me mean. I'm 
Who's there? <laughs> so this song is actually just from the original John Bryan produced session. It was not changed or re-recorded. They just they just transferred it over. And it's kind of a, a bold and different way to open the album. And it, it's a little bit weird. I, I think maybe the song's kind of genius. I really like it as an opener. I like that it's bold and different. I can also see it being polarizing. It'll be interesting to see what people think. But um, yeah, I can see people putting this on and hearing this as the first track and being like, what is this weirdness? The the ding, <laughs> the, in addition to being like a doorbell, that ding to me, it sounds like a light bulb going off over someone's head, like as mm. an, an inspiration. Like that's kind of something I visual, visualized from the first time I, I ever heard this, like ding, idea. <laughs> like and that. I really like the... What's that? I just say I like that. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like the way in like the first verse how she uh, kind of synchronized the word, the extra syllable, the word and added between phrases is almost synchronized with the bell, but not quite. It's like off enough that it, I don't know, it just makes it interesting to me. It's like, and ding. I don't know. It's weird, but mm. it gets me for some reason. Um, does anyone know what that? bell instrument is called i'm picturing the long bell <laughs> i think is it just a a concert bell i i uh it's yeah, I it's the know. uh oh it's the disarm bells yeah uh, <laughs> yeah those that, but yeah, I, that's exactly I, that's it. what they call i guess maybe just concert bell yeah something like that it probably has a better name that i don't know um, I, I like that it has this, it has a super old fashioned, almost like this is the intro music to an old TV show or something. There's no drums. I really like the way she works with syllables in this song, shoving a syllable into every last possible space. Like that whole long phrase in the, I think it's the second verse. I've been getting along for long before you came into the play. And it's like, I don't know. It's like you feel like she's running out of space, but she makes it just in time for the the chorus part to start. And the the Brit the way she does a falsetto with her extremely fast vibrato on the bridge part is really cool. It's operatic, and it uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's a really good skill, uh, and I like the way the bridge sounds. Um, but that's all I had. Yeah. My uh, alternate title for this song is The Gang Builds an Extraordinary Machine. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been watching a lot of It's Always Sunny, and, and uh, I've forgotten the name of, of the composer who, who uh, either wrote or uh, the mu- that mu- music is trying to emulate. But, you know, it, it's got that, that 60s uh, Boston pops, you know, kind of orchestral feel to it you know with the bell with the pizzicato strings um i don't know if it's a bassoon that that, that's doing um or you know like a bass clarinet that's doing that kind of lower reedier part you were talking about how this is an intro you know and and kind of a tone setter i I do think it works it it kind of reminds me and I'm, i'm sure that there are other you know kind of tone setter first track songs out there like this other than the one that I'm thinking of, but uh, you, you guys know the Beach Boys harmony part on the at the beginning of So Much for the Afterglow. Uh, it, it's kind of got that same. You mean that Everclear? Same the Everclear? Feel. Yeah. 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 The, 
the, the title track and the first song to so much for the afterglow, they, they do kind of a, a, a beach boys, um, harmony, uh, doo-wop, you know, kind of 25 seconds or so to just kind of also at the beginning of smile. Okay. <laughs> it opens with just yeah, the, the ooze and that's the actual beach boys though. <laughs> He's talking about yeah. Everclear. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, never the, mind. Well, it, I'm sure that that Everclear was emulating, you know, might have been yeah, emulating yeah. <laughs> uh, Smile, but but yeah, I, I think this song really works. Um, Blake, you mentioned the syllables. I I picked on that up, picked up on that here, um, and throughout the record, you know, I, I think uh, her her lyrics in particular really kind of uh, stick out here. But uh, yeah, this is this is a gr- great way to open the record. Having listened briefly to a lot of the the alternate versions. Um, you know, I, I can kind of hear how this came from from that initial uh, set of tracks, but I'm, I'm glad that they kept it. I think it it works as a great kind of opening bookend f- for the record. Yeah, I disagree. Yikes. Uh, this <laughs> song does not want me to like it. I want to pre- oh, no. I want to preface by saying I get it. I get the message that human resilience is an extraordinary mechanism. I get it. And this it's just ugh. the song objectively checks some boxes. I will say the song is whimsical, witty, playful and twee. Unfortunately, besides the sharp wit, these are all things I can't stand. Uh, I I respect the exploration. It reminds me of kind of that like bjork track it's oh so quiet is that the one that's just yes. kind of like over over the yeah <laughs> I, I i give it points for execution and a strong message but it's not my bag and it actually kind of makes my stomach turn a little bit uh but big <laughs> big thumbs oh, down no. big thumbs down on this track i now that was my initial feeling on it i think i've kind of come around i get like i said i get it and i'm just glad that well i don't want to spoil anything uh but i just this was not what i was expecting when i put on the album and i was just like oh no is this what this album is (laughs) what it's gonna be i I I actually i'm like i don't think i can do it you know what's funny logan i have the word twee in my notes for this as well (laughs) uh and i'll I'll get to that i'm actually glad i'm going after you because i feel like i land somewhere in between what everyone's opinions have been so far um, I wrote that I thought it was an interesting way to start the album. Stylistically, reminds me of, of Disney or something from a musical. I can definitely see where if you put this on, you're like, oh, she's kind of going further with the orchestration from the last album. Uh, kind of a bold choice to start an album without any piano <laughs> um, from yeah. someone who's a singer-songwriter kind of known for playing piano. Um, I'm surprised, by the way, nobody's pointed out lyrically Starting with the line, I feel uh, I certainly haven't been shopping for any new shoes, I feel like is actually a direct reference in a way to like where she's been these six years. You know, you put this on, you're like, what's Fiona Apple been up to these past six years? And she sort of starts with the statement yeah. of, I haven't been shopping for you. Like, I haven't been doing these frivolous things. I have been, you know, trying to do productive things yeah. um although Good based point. on your your collage maybe she was doing kind of frivolous things it sounds like yeah i think so um i i feel like also this song does kind of show off her vocal range or, and kind of ear for melody uh how she kind of does the thing that i i think i talked about in the last episode where she will rather than sing one simple phrase over and over as a hook she sings like whole paragraphs as a hook you know um it's it's spread out 
um, specifically that falsetto Blake that you mentioned. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like it's it's purposefully done because she's singing that phrase, do I so worry you? Like, it seems like she's talking to someone like, do you think I'm a damsel in distress? You know, and so she puts yeah. on this very high falsetto flowery kind of voice that's almost like that kind of like how girls sing in an opera, you know? Uh, do mm-hmm. I so worry you? That kind of thing. And then she kind of everything will be just fine. And then she goes back to like her, her normal sort of voice. Um, I thought that was maybe a, a deliberate choice. Um, but Logan, here's where I kind of land with you a little bit. I put that. My only problem is I feel like this song drifts too far into twee or preciousness at times. <laughs> um, but I, I ultimately think it's saved by yep. vocal performance and, and lyrics um, so I, I do kind of go back and forth with it. Um, and, and we'll talk more about it as we go, but I, I find it interesting. My thoughts, this go around compared to the first time I ever listened to this. Cause I, I'm not sure I have the same feelings I used to. I'll just say that right now. Spoiler alert for the rest of this. I, I'm, I may have changed my thoughts slightly over the years. Yeah. I should say, by the yeah. way, highest played song from this album on Spotify. That oh. being said, not okay. in her top 10 most played songs on Spotify. Okay. I feel like that might be an artifact of just people trying to play the record and playing the, the <laughs> What is this the, shit? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, I'm not listening I, to this. I, I will say, Logan, and I anticipated this maybe not be in your bag, and, and it took me a couple of listens, I think, to, uh, to get more comfortable with it, because, yeah, it, it definitely is leaning hard uh, in, in, into the twee. So uh, I said it'd be polarizing, and of course Josh lands smack dab in the middle. So <laughs> I'm ever the peacemaker. But you know what? Let's see if the next song gets Logan back. Maybe we can get let's him try to, back on track. Let's try to with Fiona. <laughs> let's try to get him back. Track. That was a good one, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I like. This song was the album's fourth and final single. It's one of, I believe, two tracks to have drums played by Questlove. I kind of figured he was brought in by Elizondo, who had, you know, connections in the the pop and hip-hop world, and connections everywhere, really. Uh, It's thought by many people to be about the decline and the demise of Fiona Apple's relationship with Paul Thomas Anderson. I kind of think, yeah, maybe that and, and other people mixed in there, uh, kind of an amalgam, but yeah. Uh, on, on this, I love the beat. I mean, maybe it's not the, the most exciting song to me, but the beat's one of the best parts, and, you know, chalk that up to Questlove just being a really good drummer. I also love the way that it goes to halftime drums. I, I, think, in, uh, I think in the original version of this, uh, it it did not go to halftime, so it was a, a lot more monotonous. Um, so that was a good choice in, in the re-recording. Even with, even with that, though, the song is a bit re- repetitive. It's a lot of that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Uh, it's a lot of that. Uh, I do like it when it changes and it goes to that chromatic walk-up. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, um, that part. I'm not sure if it this one is all that clever, but I have decent fun with it so i i call it a mid-tier song for me fine as logan would say 
That's not my expression. I'm just saying mid-tier. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Redemption. She did get me back, got him back. And that's exactly what I thought whenever I heard it. I'm like, hey, maybe she's singing about me because she definitely got me back in this song. So I like to think that uh, she did have me panicked for a second. I, I was afraid we were going to get a thematic genre album from the sounds of the first track. Uh, I may even give it a point back for being a charismatic intro. I, I get it. I do. Uh, but this song is pretty great, actually. I love and really dig the hypnotic, repetitive kind of swagger that this one has. Uh, this, in my opinion, is top of the apple tree or top shelf apple flavored <laughs> vodka. It's instrumentation is great and what I've come to expect. I love the groove and I just love getting lost in the song. So it's it's no surprise that it's quest love. I didn't know that. So that's that's great. Um, I'm interested to know what kind of scale that this song uses. I, I figured Matt or Blake or Josh could, one of you could tell me. And some of her higher vocal parts at the end are pretty sweet. But I love this dissonant piano part in that, that groove is just amazing. I think uh, it, the song is is really up there for me. I think it's top tier. Yeah, I, I put, uh, if you thought this album was going to be all orchestration and John Bryanized, think again. Because uh, this track kind of starts, I think, showing off what the reworked version of this album with Mike Elizondo is going to sound like. Uh, it's one of the more straightforward songs on the album. And I can see why they thought maybe it'd be more commercial to a record company. Um, but musically, that groove, I agree, is, is great. Questlove's drumming has this bounce to it that's really good uh definitely if you listen to the john bryan version i feel like this is way better nothing against matt chamberlain who i think drummed on those but this yeah. one adds that that groove to it that's just a, a lot yeah. better it's it's enjoyable and catchy and lyrically it introduces some themes for me one is josh's misheard lyrics <laughs> of which there are two on this album i for some reason cannot not hear her saying he give me the gout <laughs> dude i i heard that too i heard that too i know she's not saying he give me the gout but that's all i can hear not the um, gout i got gout I is, the the other theme which is a more serious one is i feel like this album is all sort of about fiona self-reflecting a lot of these lyrics are about her talking about looking at herself and her relationships and, you know, this one, she's listing off previous lovers and the sort of ways and whys on which they let her down or they separated. But then you get that third verse where it flips it on its head and she's talking more about herself and sort of where she went wrong, she feels, in the situation somewhat. And I feel like this sort of contradiction of, am I wrong? Am I right? Did I make the right choices? Um, what did I do? What did I not do? Um, what did they do? You know, is sort of the theme of this album. And it's really evident in the title because you think about the title of this is Get Him Back, but there's sort of a double meaning. On the one hand, you get, I'm going to get him back in my life, right? Like, I want him back in my life. But then there's also the, I, I'm going to get him back like revenge. And I feel like that's, I think it's just the revenge part. I don't know. I feel like it's purposely doubled. Like, I feel like okay. there's an element yeah. of I'm going to get him back, 
but also like I'm gonna get him back, like <laughs> in an angrily anger way. Um, yeah. I, I kind of get both meanings a little bit, um, and that duality, that contradiction, will be throughout this album. So I really like this one. Um, it's it's definitely a top tier for me. Yeah, th- this song this song is great. Uh, you know, we've talked about the drums, uh, I, and the groove is is phenomenal. I I think the just the sound of this song is is really kind of a departure from you know the the the, the bryonosphere that that we've we've been in up to now um you know everything's really kind of really kind of close and crisp and in your face um you know the piano sounds great with the drums and and, and the bass is, is really in there well with it she's showing off the pipes again uh you know with, with um Th- those those falsettos uh, she almost kind of is almost doing a mariah carey thing with, with those those really high falsettos um i i think you're onto something josh in in the uh, the duality of the get them back you know uh and this is another one where uh, her rhythm and and syllables really kind of you know sits well in the groove um i i like the line about he didn't always guess right but he usually got my gist that's kind of you know playing into that ambiguity and then also uh the one that really stuck with me was, uh, you know, wait till I get him back. I'm going to get him home and I'm going to watch him unpack. And I, I just thought that was a really, you know, kind of clever little couplet. Um, the chord progression is really interesting. I, I, I don't know the uh, it's a really interesting chorus uh, where they're kind of, you know, going around and uh, and and doing different minor things. But just that that main um, kind of a tritone flatted fifth to five uh, really is 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 propulsive and um really uh suits you know suits the the, the feel and uh, of the song very very well i would say cool. I, I have oh, man a, i have a good transition here blake oh uh, so, well so do i oh uh, i don't want to okay no go ahead i was just going to ask you what's better than an aei or you sailor no i don't like that <laughs> um <laughs> i was gonna say good one dad <laughs> i yeah so i i i was the most i was the least keen on that one, out of all of us, you you guys should just throw me overboard. <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned. So the first single off this record and Josh's favorite song, Oh Sailor. <laughs> oh Sailor, why'd you do it? What'd you do that for? Saying there's nothing to it and letting it go by the boards. Oh Sailor. This is one of the two that has a music video directed by Floria Sigismondi. I'm never going to say that right, but this uh, she did White Stripes Blue Orchid and also did the music video for The Beautiful People. Huh. Nice. Um, so this director has some range, I guess. Um, and it was filmed aboard the RMS Queen Mary. We've got nautical themes. It's It's on a ship. Um, are the sailors on there dead? Uh, maybe it's very ethereal. She's apparently playing a ghost, although it wasn't clear to me. Uh, it did have the same dance choreographer as, uh, the one who did paper bag. So if you didn't know, if you're not up on your sailor lingo, going by the boards means having been thrown overboard when she says, letting it go by the boards. I love this song has like the best vibraphone. So John, this is not John Bryan, but they're imitating his style so well that I think they're actually surpassing his, his vibraphones in this particular (laughs) instance. I really like that sound on the, on the chorus of the, the vibes. 
I think the song has a great pre-chorus and a great chorus and a great bridge. Um, and I and I like the very end of the song. There's um, speaking of the Mariah Carey and the whistle tones. She, it sounds like she's doing like an ultra high falsetto um, deep in the mix there on that end. Oh sailor, why'd you do it? Part. Those parts are great, but I'm not sure if I'm wild about the verse piano part. It does something that's strange. It might be polarizing. I feel like she's intentionally clashing a few keys there on the chords. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, if you listen to the Brian version, it's way more intentionally clashy. Dun, 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 dun. There's like a, a, a sour chord there. Um, I'm not sure what to make of it. I don't know that I love it. The drum and the bass sound great on this. This So this is kind of a um, relative of Shadowboxer or a descendant of Shadowboxer, maybe. Yep, you know, had the, that in my notes the, as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, that's an obvious thing it's got the same uh you know waltzy or six eight um i think that it what it has over shadow boxer is is a better drum and bass though i'll, I'll put that out there but yeah what else did you have josh Ooh, blasphemy on that by the way because i put it it's a it's akin to shadow boxer although i think that's a better song is what I, put. I i didn't i didn't say it was better overall i uh I like that I have somehow uh, been sold as the guy who this is his favorite song because uh, yeah, my feelings on this have, have changed. Uh, I, mm. I will say I, I actually kind of like the piano chords in the verse. I found them jarring and odd, uh, way more kind of minor than the last song. The last song was so bright and bouncy, and then this one you've got like a little bit of a, a weirdness to it, which I think is interesting. Uh, I also put that it would be at home on the John Bryan version for sure. It sounds like one he would have loved. Lyrically, my theme is back with the line about I'm undecided about you again. That sort of feeling of like, how do I feel about this guy? Is Do I like this guy Did it, or not? Like, what, what am I feeling about him here? Also, we have a motif carryover from the last album. You may pick up on what the lyrical motif carryover Ships. is. It's, it's from uh, Paper Bag. The, the last time Paper Bag had the line about a uh, hand, uh, card hand being too shaky to hold. And oh, this one, okay, she says yeah. the line about I've been playing with 52 cards. I like that line. Uh, just because I play so far from my vest. So is, uh, she likes those poker metaphors, I guess. Uh, I do really like the way the vocal melody shifts at the end. You know, she's saying the exact same words, the, the O oh, Sailor, why'd you do it? But right. She changes the way she's singing it with a different vocal melody. I'm always impressed by that because I find it so hard to write vocal melodies myself that when someone can come up with two uh, <laughs> vocal melodies that are both good, it, it always su surprises me. But all that being said, I will say that I don't feel as strongly as about this one as I did at one time. Like, I, it just doesn't do anything for me now. Like, I don't know. My, ta my tastes have changed slightly or something. It just... When you said, Matt, that I played this one a lot, that kind of surprised me because I was like, I, I did <laughs> like it just it would not be one that I think now I would be like, got to listen to O Sailor, you know, got to go put O Sailor on it. Just it would not stick out to me in that same way. Uh, I don't know what it is about it, but it just I don't know. I don't feel as as highly about it. Not that it's bad. It's just it's it's OK. I, I think I might like this one a uh, bit better than uh than, than you then i i think that the clangy piano uh i think it works for me um you know it, it's very kind of 
appropriate for the for the 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 feel and the subject matter i think um i have two been playing with 52 cards is is the line and i I think that's Mm -hmm. the the cards motif but but also kind of having it phrased in a uh as a response to an implied question um and kind of the implication that you know somebody's calling you crazy if you're not playing with a full yep. deck. I, I thought that was really clever. Um, there, there's a a minor to a major uh, resolution right at two fifty five. Uh, I, I think they're going uh, going into another chorus that that, that struck out to me. Uh, Josh, you mentioned the vocals uh, that is in my notes as Josh's favorite vocal at, at, at four ten. <laughs> Not not remembering from back in the day, but I, I knew that 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 is uh, uh, that that's Josh Bate there. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> that I, I also noted the drums sounding really good. It's not Quest Love, but it, it still sounds good. There, there's they they do four on the floor, like four kicks uh, right around four fifteen. That really kind of just uh, you know give a, give another bolt bolt of energy to the song as it kind of uh, uh, out, outros out. Um, the vibes are great. Uh, the stops and starts. I, I, I think it's fun. I, I think it's, um, it's definitely, it sounds like it's subject matter, which I think is a, which is a, a, a good, good thing for a song to do. Yeah. I, I like this one quite a bit. I keep hearing a sour note like you guys do, or I called maybe a purposeful one, but I, I do also kind of like it. I love, is it, so is it the best? So you said vibes, this is the vibe vibraphone. Mm-hmm. On this, I love love the vibraphone. I thought that sounded amazing. I would like to hear this is like a crunchy and heavy rock song, though, uh, which I'm sure no one else would share that sentiment. But I can hear it, <laughs> hear it in my head, and uh, gets me like kind of pumped about it. I have but, a thought uh, about that later, later to with a yeah. different song, but okay. It, it's a mellow yet kind of spooky, which which I love that high synth part or that smooth whistling sound really doesn't last nearly long enough like i have that down too i need that to like last longer and do more things and and because that i love that uh i want more of that and anyway i i I don't know if i like this one as much as get him back but it's damn close it has a little bit more going on musically but i like that rep repetition piano drone of get him back and this song also reminds me of a, and I'm going to probably be bringing this up a couple times, but it, it gives me a, a Beach Boys vibe from their album Holland. Like songs mm. like uh, Steamboat kind of possess similar kind of energy. Uh, I'll, I'll talk more about that later, but I, I'm getting a kind of a Beach Boys Holland kind of feel from it. Nice. Not saying that it sounds like it, but it just, I get the same kind of imagery or vibes that I get when i hear both of these things and i'm not trying to compare it you know but it's i i I love the song well i guess i'm the odd one out here on this one (laughs) i think i was the only one that didn't have high praise this time yeah you know what what? i bet you wish you had what oh i was gonna say maybe because i've changed over the years and something else has emerged a better version of me i'm stepping all over blake's transitions today that's fine Oh, 
So Better Version of Me, a title I find really interesting considering the story of the album, you know, making a better version, uh, whatever that means, a version that the label will accept maybe. Um, Brian Kehue, I read this whole article, uh, this whole interview with him that was very illuminating. He apparently played, so there's dueling guitar harmony solos and uh, they kind of pan between left and right. He's apparently playing those. And he said that they did like 60 different instruments overdubbed uh, doing those same notes combined into some sort of like symphony where each of these many different instruments does only like a few notes each. He also, he says they somehow got lost in the mix. Um, and then he was, he was actually pushed out of this project, uh, with negotiations before the mixing process happened. And then he's like, well, they, they really biffed it and they, they buried him in the mix. Um, and damned if I didn't turn my studio monitors way up and you can hear some weird stuff going on in the background. I don't know if anyone else noticed during that, uh, guitar solo part, strange synthesizers are bubbling up underneath, like, yeah. um, doubling what the guitar is doing and, uh, uh both, both synthetic and uh, uh, organic instruments underneath there. I re really wish they would have uh, brought that out a little bit more. It's wild stuff. Um, it's got the, I called it, the, this song as the most tacky of the tack pianos. Uh, it's a very <laughs> a very filtered sound, a very honky-tonk or saloon. So yeah, again, they, they took the, the Brian style and really uh, uh, elevated it to even tackier. Uh, I, don't, I don't mean tacky as in like shitty. Um, cause I do like the song a lot. Uh, I really like the dreamy and sparse breakdown after that guitar solo. Um, that part to me, the dreamy psychedelic thing is almost like a Sergeant Pepper's Beatlesy trip or something. It's also has a halftime breakdown, like get them back. But I, I think I like the, the swing beat of this one better when it does that. And this song has some of my favorite lyrics. I don't want to take them all up, but, um, I'm a frightened, fickle person, fighting, crying, kicking, cursing. Um, after all the falderall and hauling over coals, like home is where, and then when she does that really quick, I think it's in the clip, home is where my habits have a habitat. There's a, there's a bunch more, but uh, yeah, this is a top tier one for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Blake. You mentioned um, the, the tacky piano and, and, you know, Sergeant Pepper in the, the interlude, I, I hear, I hear mid period Beatles all over this. You know, I, I, I wonder if she ever covered lady Madonna. I, I, hmm. I think she would, <laughs> uh, you know, cause, cause I, I kind of get that from this. Um, I, I also noted the weird guitar tone and stereo. I, I'm, I, I'm going to go back and listen again for, you know, some of that artifact stuff, but it, it was definitely a, a striking, uh, solo, um, I, I noted the bass was also really good on this specifically. Uh, my, my lyric was, uh, I got a plan, a demand, and it just began. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's more just really interesting syllabic work, uh, you know, kind of weaving in the, the really kind of jaunty choppy, uh, rhythm of it. Um, the, the horns are really smooth. Um, and, and the horn, the, you know, kind of the smoothness, smoothness of the horns, uh, contrasts with with the choppiness of of the piano, but I, you know, I, I think this is just you know this is just a fun track. I, I liked it. Uh, for me, it's it's not a bad song by any means. It's kind of bouncy. I I both like 
you guys had said, I love the little guitar freak out that it has. That was a highlight for me. And I did hear that synth. And I, I also love when things kind of drop out and get dreamy there for a moment. That was another big highlight. Um, musically very efficient and to the point, but I feel like it's mostly apple core, not much fruit. Uh, <laughs> which is fine, but kind of my point, I think in comparison with other songs on the album, this song doesn't stand out as much as it could. But after just focusing on the song itself for a bit, uh, rather than in the context of the album, it started to, uh, uh, you know, produce some apples on my tree here. And I'm maybe <laughs> if not you know what I mean. Maybe not apple pie, um, not apple core, but maybe some sliced apples with some caramel for dipping. Uh, some applesauce. Applesauce fi- with some cinnamon. Uh, Logan Finona. produced applesauce. This is Finona for me. Okay. Finona. Josh, but I, before Josh goes, I have I have a clip of that solo. I totally forgot. Could I play? Can it? I can I say something about it before we play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know why it's Beatles esque. Um, Because I also noted Beatles-esque on that. The drummer on this one is the drummer for Paul McCartney. It's his touring drummer. Holy shit. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and play the thing. All right. Well, okay. (laughs) So listen for the instruments underneath the guitars. I brought it up and I compressed it to bring the, the quieter things up more. Most of it's really synthy that I some some you can hear better than better than others, but I thought it was interesting. I do think it's funny though. I, I mentioned the thing about Paul McCartney's drummer. Uh, if you remember on the last album, Jim Keltner played the drums on some songs. He was the guy that was the session drummer for George Harrison and John Lennon, but not Paul. So it's almost like Paul heard about that and he's like, "They brought in Jim Keltner. <laughs> get, get my guy in there." Uh, uh, them. <laughs> I I got Stevie Wonder vibes. <laughs> From the sound of those keys and that tambourine and the horns, like I got kind of like superstition vibes or something. I know she's not playing whatever superstitions on the uh, synthesizer. Tim, Tim, thing the next song has a clavinet, but it, it just I don't know the the sort of balance to it gave me those things. Uh, I I don't really have a ton to say. I also put Finona. I stole Logan's phrase. It's on my. <laughs> I put a uh, good but not essential. Um, I do have to point out though a callback to an earlier. Uh, episode of discographology she says she's dropping does she say drop nickel beyond the rubric what does she say about nickels and rubicon the, the nick, nickel dropped while i was on my way beyond the rubicon so fiona drops nickels cedric drops dimes oh remember that dang <laughs> he'll drop a dime on you she'll drop a nickel on you drop a that's it sounds like a burn <laughs> they're all dropping <laughs> coins everywhere she'll right. snitch but only a little bit yeah all right, uh, I got nothing. Okay, well, if you didn't love that one as much as me, you must be sick in the head, yeah, which is yeah. the parenthetical of track five, Temps, parentheses, the sick in the head song. Yes! <laughs> yes! Fuck oh, yeah! I had to get that breakdown. Thank you. Play, I'm just grooving right now. The red isn't the red we painted, it's just rust. And the signature thing, the 
All right, if you're if anyone is wondering what the hell TYMPS Temps means, the title of the song, apparently it was short for timpani. Um, the original Ooh, version The original wonder. version had a timpani somewhere. I don't think this version does. Um, and it also had that you know the bell, the big bell sound was on the upbeats, which was is kind of weird. I I'd recommend listening to the alternate of this one. She, she apparently wrote it on a portable Yamaha electric keyboard at home. Um, ironically, Temps was a temporary title that just kind of stuck. The original version was, uh, was called used to love him, um, which is part of the chorus lyrics. I think this song goes and it goes hard. I think it's really interesting the way she'll start the lyrical phrase before the musical phrase begins. So the previous phrase is ending and at the beginning of the song, for example, and the line comes in those boon times, uh, not, and then she says, you know, those boon times went bust, not boom, but boon. Um, so there's something there. I'm not sure. I, I remember back in 2005, loving the sound, the different sound of this one from the first time I heard it when it came out. Uh, and it still holds up. I'm happy to, to report i love the vibe of it it's just a different cool funky slightly dark vibe it's my favorite part's the verse um and of course that that breakdown that you heard there where everything just kind of goes wild uh i want to point out there's an instrument called a marxophone that it may sound like a mandolin that comes in it doesn't sound like a mark <laughs> it's you it's know how all those those marks sound out there they all sound gotta like play mark. the mark Marks is the Marks a phone. Yeah, it's something like a auto mandolin. I don't know what it is. Sounds like the future uh, liberals want Marks a phone. Am I right? This is this song is yeah exactly because <laughs> of Mark. Um, and the, I love how after that that whole funky psychedelic breakdown, it goes back into that cool verse part, but the tack piano is added to the upswings where it wasn't before. Um, so many cool instruments are are hidden in that upswing beat thing and it's got a, a really cool instrumental ride out which is reminiscent of what used to happen a lot on our first two albums just to kind of show off all the keyboards and other weird sounds that are that they they just throw in here um i really i really like this one a top tier one a uh oh it's a it's a fiona oh snapple <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've been me. seeing the the Fiona Snapple memes. <laughs> oh, I I love the exploration on this song. Uh, that middle flute synth freak out part is sick. I love it so much. I thought like, oh, did the did the Volta slip in for a moment? <laughs> oh, did you let Cedric and Omar in? And uh, but no, I love the organ, the synth, and the the stringy kind of sounds, the plucky kind of stringy. I feel like the atmosphere and trippiness is dialed up, and I definitely want some more of that. Uh, lyrically, it didn't polish the apple for me, uh, but musically, I find it very interesting. Uh, I love it. It's, it's, polish the apple, if I, you know what I mean. <laughs> Ooh, I, I don't. I don't. I, uh, did anybody I listen either. to the John Bryan version of this one? Yeah. It, it feels like this is the one where you're like, Okay, this is why Mike Elizondo was brought in. That John Bryan version is a mess. Like it's, it has he has no idea what to do with this song. Can, 
Yeah, it just has all the like the whole orchestra is just kind of yeah. thrown into those upbeats. Whereas I feel like Elizondo, this is the one that he must have heard and been like, I know exactly what to do for this one. Like yeah. throw on that did. electronic kind of hip hop sounding beat. Yeah. Uh the pop sensibility of his really shines here. And if you listen to her singing in the difference in those, you can hear it. Like she sounds kind of inspired on this one singing, whereas on the Brian yeah. version, she sounds tired like the whole time. Just yeah. it doesn't work. This this is the first taste of this album in that it's the one that's like <laughs> totally different than all of the other songs if you remember first taste yeah. from title i i really liked this one uh this is one that stood out over the years for me because i think just because it's so different than the rest of the album it's it stood out for me um and is one i think i actually have listened to in in the interim years um it just it just has an, an a unique sound and actually Logan when that bridge hit I thought Logan's gonna love this shit <laughs> I thought I thought this could rock harder and I feel like Logan would agree with me on that that it it, it could rock oh, yeah. harder there but oh yeah it, it is go. it oh. is cool oh. the way it sort of crashes in I also love the change in the chorus when she says the line about or I just really used to love him that string swell comes in that again is sort of like this oh falling in love swoon kind of sound and then it drops out and she's like mm -hmm. you know goes back to the regular beat it's it's that contradiction again mm -hmm. um by the way uh did anyone else feel like the line and that signature thing that used to bring a fo following i have trouble now even remembering that has to be about her career right like it, it yeah. feels like that's yeah, yeah that's about Obviously. her feeling at that time like i don't know a lot what, of it this what is brought people to me in the first place <laughs> you know yeah but I, I i like this one quite a bit um, I, I like this one too. Maybe not quite as much as, as the rest of you guys. Um, I really picked up on kind of the hip hop elements. Josh, I also have down that this is the, the first taste, uh, track of, uh, of, of this, uh, album kind of the, the spiritual successor. I think the contrasting in, uh, instruments are interesting and, and it's kind of a, kind of a contrasting feel because the, uh, the, the kiss em late last Friday night is you know, a very major kind of, you know, bubblegum sound and subject matter. And then it kind of, you know, is quickly, you know, moving in and out of, uh, of a, of a dark feel and a light feel. And it, it's, it's a little hard for me to, to nail down, I guess. I do note the, uh, you know, both more great lyrics, more great vocal delivery, more great, you know, syllabic rhythm. Uh, the red isn't the red we painted. It's just, rust um you know and and that that red imagery is going to come back later uh in in the album so i i noted that but uh but yeah i, I this is this is fine nona all right i don't have anything clever track six parting gift Parting Gift was the second single off this record, and it was the only song that has no version on the um, on the original Brian-produced version. <laughs> it's it's new to this uh, recording session. It's piano and voice only, and the story is it was recorded on the first take. They just 
she said she had something new, walked in, sat down. They were like, all right, let's just track it. And then they just kept it and never did another take or changed anything or added anything. Um, yeah, Key Hugh said it was an essentially a, a demo. It's about regretting having taken up with a man who looked as sincere as a dog. That's from the uh, lyrics. And it's a true term of endearment, though, uh, from an artist who once called... She's so... Uh, she's so... She loves dogs so that she once called off a tour to be with her dying pit bull. So, yeah, it almost sounds like uh, it's an insult, but it's like, wait a minute, this is this is a dog-loving person. I don't know. It's a strange lyric. Uh, it has a, it does have a video that I didn't realize until recently, but it's just a minimal her playing at the piano directed by her brother, Spencer Maggart. When I listen I uh, to the chorus part, I'm like, am I hearing like intonation problems? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe my ear's playing tricks again. It, it may be, be uh, it may have something to do with there was only one take. So it was like tuning or something. They, you know, they didn't. Uh, they didn't tune and retune. They just did it. But uh, it is very, very bold, very emotionally resonant. And obviously for just a single take, the performance is pretty amazing. Uh, I, I believe this is her first song, um, strangely enough, that is only her p- voice and piano and nothing else, I think. So for, yeah, for a person who's known for voice and piano... I think it's the first time on on a record that she does a song that's literally just voice and piano. Um, I think I think it's good and powerful, but I I don't know that I'm gonna listen to it for enjoyment in the future. What do you guys think? Oh man, see, this is the one that I always forget about, and then when I yeah. hear it, I'm always like, oh, I, this is a great song. <laughs> like th- this to me, I know I was lukewarm in the past on some of the the sort of jazzier piano numbers but this is one that i always feel like just the lyrics and her performance to me take it above like it just it sounds like she has something to say here um i i'm also as matt may point out later i'm i'm a uh i'm a sucker for word painting you know when you sort of follow the music falls lyrics. so when she does that stop and everything stops like uh-huh. that, that, that gets me i like it. it's a gimmick but i i like it <laughs> uh and yeah, I just think the melody is. I think the couplet is so good in, in the chorus. The but we went on wholehearted. It ended bad, but I love where we started. Like I, I just think that's a great little couplet hook. Um, yeah, and, and so uh, I, I, I like this one. I did have a question for everybody. What does the title mean? What is the parting gift? Do you? Think? It's about the end of. So what's of what is the parting gift? Is the song the parting gift to this person or maybe? Maybe she is saying that she liked some aspect of it, you know, I may, may, I don't know. It's just something to think about. Cause I, I I realize that she never says the title in the song. So it's like, what, what is the context? Like, what does the title mean? Something to think about, but I like this one quite a bit. Cool. Yeah. uh, This song's great. Um, I, I I feel like, you know, just like the last track was kind of the, the spiritual sibling of, of uh, the first taste. I, I feel like, you know, again, this is, kind of a, a successor to never is a promise um you know it's very intimate she has such a handle on her dynamics and i mean obviously you know coming in big with the uh the silly stupid pastime of mine you know that that's 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 big but but even even within that chorus you know she kind of she starts quiet 
on the verse and then comes in big with the chorus and then even within that chorus kind of reins it back in to give as you mentioned josh that really great uh the uh the couplet the ended bad but it, i loved where we started uh that is a great line um and, and i feel like kind of that that long chord phrase you know that or that that melodic phrase you know really kind of sits well in the space of the song and it and it's you know she's really getting away with something because i think she, if she would have stayed any longer on the big oh you silly stupid pastime of mine it would have the the bombast would have kind of soured the the feeling but but it's you know she's really kind of on a tightrope with this and i think she she pulls it off so i had in my notes that it was kind of a snoozer but when she really starts banging those keys, it, it just takes off with more life. Uh, it's a nice and wavy kind of song, or as Matt said, she's walking a tightrope. It's just this kind of like, she's dancing on that fine line. Uh, I feel like she's lost out at sea on a boat with a piano and she's just singing these dark, almost <laughs> sea shanty-like songs. Or she she's on some kind of musical, she's some kind of musical pirate in dark waters. And I don't know, I can really dig it. And it it grew on me. It it wasn't one that I I liked immediately, but I think I started to change my opinion as soon as I started hearing those like those notes and how she was just hitting them and just the, the energy and the passion behind it. That's what turned it around for me. Well, man, maybe I didn't like that one enough, and maybe I should go jump out a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kill yourself, Blake. Great job. <laughs> I think this song has a a really kick-ass chorus part, especially with the horns in there. Um, And I really like that descending. Um, And I think it's one of the strongest, this song is one of the strongest instrumentally and maybe one of the weakest lyrically. Uh, so it's kind of weird for me, um, and I, I, it's hard to even put my finger on quite why it doesn't click with me. Um, her voice still sounds really great. The singing is great. It's just it's weird uh, when I'm like, yeah, Fiona Apple, she's always clever. Like everything is all, always really smart, lyrically really good. For some reason, I don't feel that way about this song. Maybe it's because of the repetition, like... Okay, I get it. She had to break the window. Um, usually she's not repetitive uh, with choruses and stuff. And that's one of her strengths. But I feel like this song, she's just saying she had to break that window so many times. Maybe she's trying to get uh, through to you, Blake. Okay. Maybe she's trying to break your window. I guess. Maybe. Maybe I need to open my windows and let it in. No, the song, I mean, instrumentally and everything, it is really, really cool. I like how it goes back and forth between the bombastic horn parts and then the like um the lighter weird bells and like some psychedelic things going on and the verses and bridge i can't even like name what some of these instruments are but um it is the longest track with a cool instrumental right out at the end once again and the synths and sounds go wild at the end and they just keep building up i really like that about it but um yeah somewhere in the middle for me maybe Blake, I, I 
I agree with everything you just said. Um, hmm. There, there is an element of repetition of the lyrics that I, I, I think the strength of the lyrics, you know, might not might not necessarily support. Um, I do really like the the verse. The I, I think the the verse is probably my favorite part. That that tabla drum is on, is in there. That um, or at least it sounds like that to me. That's that's interesting. Uh, that that kind of gives it like like a, a South Asian feel almost. It's it's mm-hmm. very brassy. Um, I actually woke up the other morning with this song in my head, so it's very catchy. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. You know, and, and it'll it'll stick with you. Um, the vocals, it's an excellent vocal take. Um, there, there was a, uh, she had kind of a little crack in her voice at one point that they that they left in the take that I thought was, uh, was really interesting. Um, Josh, I know you have a thing about saxophones, and I, I kind of have a thing sometimes <laughs> about about horns in this way that sometimes they just kind of push me the wrong way. So I, I you know, th- th- this song. Um, it's it's good and I want to like it, but I just I I, I can't get myself to the point where where, where I'm a hundred percent on board with it. I will note that that the uh, the lyrics I think popped out a lot more to me in listening to the alternate version that, than this first hmm. version. But uh, I'm sorry, Logan, go ahead. Oh no, I I think it's a really good song. Uh, <laughs> it's I think it's pretty powerful and, and visually stimulating for me. Like I can almost see the music in this. I feel like the bass is really alive. Uh, there's so many musical sounds, and I love all the the synth work that's happening. Synths abound. It it evokes these underwater ecosystems in my mind, almost how like Ween's the mollusk sounds, but much more subtle and not so on the nose. I think towards the end, not the very end, but right before the end, the flipping of the beat. I think that was really interesting. I like that. Uh, I love the crazy dissonant sounds. My ears always love hearing chaos mixed in with the beauty. And I thought the, like, I also don't really like horns a whole lot in my, like, rock music or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it, I, I thought they were really great. Um, I like the use of a, see, I think, Blake, where I disagree, I, I feel that way how you feel about the song with the song Temps. I, th- I think that lyrically that one was kind of lacking, but the music was really great. I think hmm. the music's really great here, but I also think that the lyrical content is really great. At least the use of this one thing where I like the use of a dirty window as a way to explain how it's not always that everything is unclear in the world that we see, but it's sometimes how our perspective or our perception can make what we see as unclear. So sometimes you have to clean uh, or break that lens in which you view things. So it's kind of like a a cosmic squeegee of some sort, or like (laughs) you got to clean off that. Sounds like tool. (laughs) That lens you're looking through. Exactly. And uh, it changes your perspective. And I think that, that's a really powerful thing that she's saying in a bigger scheme of things. I feel like this is just a different Fiona Apple on this album, and I have more thoughts of coming, incoming, so I'll wait. But uh, I I really love the, the song, and uh, yeah, it, it, it might be a little repetitious, but she's usually not. So I, you might think that the get him back part is, is repetitious. Um, so maybe she is sometimes, but not a whole lot, I, I didn't think at least. Logan has used Cosmic Squeegee. It was super effective. 
<laughs> like it was a poke does a Pokemon thing there, guys. Just oh, nice. To, was it okay? You know, we got a lot of listeners that are into Pokemon that I gotta keep. You in. you don't have to tell me. Uh, I I don't know if I have much to add that you guys haven't already said. Uh, I actually noted the I like the the hook lyric this, so I had to break the window. Just had to be better that I break the window than him or her or me. It very much sounds like she's sort of saying like. You know, it was either I'm going to do something to yeah. him or her, which is interesting, or me, right. myself. Uh, but ultimately, what I'm going to have to do, as Logan said, was sort of, you know, change my perception, change, you know, w- the way things are going. You know, that's that's going to be the solution instead of doing something else to these other people. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I enjoy this one. Um, I'm probably lean more towards... Uh, the feelings maybe uh, Matt had on this one that I like it, but not maybe top tier for me. Um, but but it is one that I, I appreciate for sure. Oh well, <laughs> that's that's the title of the next song. Oh well. What wasted We talked about Phil Spector and his wall of sound in the, our pregame, and I think I really hear it, its influences coming through hard in, in that section there and throughout this song. Um, oh Well was called The Problem Child of the Album by John Bryan when they were doing the original version. He also said it made him cry the first time Fiona Apple played it for him. Um, I love the French horns. <laughs> so... Some of us were just talking about how we hate horns. I'd, I want to know if the type of horn matters. I think it was more like trumpets on window. This time it sounds like French horns. I could be wrong, but they're a bit softer. And I love how that, so it opens with the piano. It's just the two note lead. But then by the end, it's been replaced by the French horns going. I, I just I think this song is is beautiful and one of the album's best and a top tier one for me. There are some really esoteric words and phrases in this like that I've never heard, like the word stentorian, meaning loud and, and powerful um, in, in contrast to the next line, which is meek and muffled. And when she says, I never knew what this meant until like yesterday, when she says, you, uh, you came upon me like a... Oh, the dog, the dog is interpreting for me, but <laughs> she says you, <laughs> what if there were, do- well, there are dog barks in one of her albums. Um, she says, you came upon me like a hip Nick jerk when I was just about settled. A hip Nick jerk is that thing that jerks you awake when your muscles spasm and you're about to fall asleep. And I never mm. knew that that thing had a name, um, but I'm glad to put a, a word to it. <laughs> but it's also, so I'll thank you to her for teaching me what that thing's name is hey you know what's also a, could i jump in really quick that that was her intention yeah yeah uh yeah, yeah, yeah so you probably know but i i saw something about how she will look up words or interesting words and then use them in hopes that her audience will like what's that word mean and yes. look it up themselves so that that's cool 
Yeah, and, and I'm sure Stentorian was the same way. Actually, Brian Kehue said in an, in an interview um, that she would go through finding words and was like, I want to use the word Rubicon in, in one of these songs. <laughs> and by golly, she did. She did it. Um, but the hypnic jerk, I think, is an awesome metaphor um, for someone coming upon so um, coming upon her, like as she says, when she was just about settled. Um, I I really like a well. Maybe it's a might be a, a sleeper for me. But what do you guys think? I think the instrumentation gives so much depth. I I really love her piano style. It always surprises me and it never really goes where i i would guess or assume while i love music that you can easily click with uh i'm much more interested honestly and impressed by music that subverts my expectations at this point so um naturally that can sometimes go awry obviously but not in this song's case uh i think it's a nice song and i'm i don't know it's it's upper tier It, it leans towards the upper tier for me Cool. Um, yeah, this is one of my favorites, actually, on this album. This was one I don't think was one of my favorites back in the day. Um, and this listen through kind of grew for me. Uh, very grandiose with the strings and the horns, but it, it, it's fitting. Uh, I like, Logan, how you said depth. It, it definitely gives depth to it. Um, by the way, on the hypnic jerk thing, I, I feel like that's another double entendre, though. You know, it's it's that you came upon yeah, me like, like a hypnic jerk, asshole. but also like you came upon me like you're an asshole. Yeah, I, I think it can. That's mean, what I thought. You it can was read it as as either hypnic obviously has the meaning. Yeah. I, I love the little stop on my piece and quiet, and then there's that little like drum kind of fill. Yeah, so I I really I really dig this one, uh, Blake. I, this is where I said it reminded me of an older John Lennon song, and I put a a drop in there for oh. you um, if you have that at the ready. Yep, real, I have not heard real this quick. yet, but... It, it reminds me of a John Lennon song um, that Jim Keltner played drums on called Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out. So if you want to okay. play that real quick. The com- the this is the comparison. Back to back. Maybe, maybe not identical, but it, it is, it's a similar <laughs> thing for me. And, and I know she's a John Lennon yeah. fan, so I just can't help but feel. Sure. And Phil Spector worked a lot, you know, with John Lennon as yeah. well. But anyway, uh, yeah, Matt, what do you think about Oh Well? Uh, my first note on this song was now we're talking, um, and, and that's, that's not to belittle the, the songs that have came before, but th- this is, this is an excellent, excellent piece. Um, we've talked about how big it is. And if you're going to go that big, you got to have the goods and she delivers. Um, you know, I, I, I love the, the piano line, kind of that, that, that descending chromatic, um, that was, you know, it, it goes, it's a one, it's a flatted six at five, and then it resolves to the four. It, it just really kind of, 
it ge- it builds the tension, but then it kind of releases it back. And the the stops and the starts, her vocal performance, um, you know, she's kind of in in, in a gospel vein uh, as well. Um, Blake, you you mentioned French horns. Yes, I think French horn tone is is vastly superior to trumpet tone in, in a lot of cases, <laughs> there, you know, and, and especially go. here, um, band you know, fight, band <laughs> fight, band <laughs> fight. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, the French Josh already has his shirt off, so he's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them trumpets, Matt. Fuck he's them naked. Trumpets. He's fully naked. I played trumpet, by the way. <laughs> I know. That's how you, uh, Drag the trumpets, Matt. Drag them. Damn. Damn. <laughs> well, just, you know, conical, uh, conical brass instruments like like french horns and flugel horns you know have that warmth of tone that that a, a cylindrical uh horn like like a trumpet um or a trombone you know it's just a different timber and you know when it when it works it just really kind of you know just fills out and 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 seeps into all the nooks and crannies um of a track and i i just you know i was really blown away uh by by this one by the way, I like Blake that you said uh, she doesn't do repetition, and the next two songs literally are called "Please, please, please, red, yeah, red, red." I know, I know. Well, please, 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 like this next track. Give us something familiar, something similar to what we know already. That will keep us steady, 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 going nowhere. So this is like her first fully like rock band type song, like guitar based song, which I don't think has piano even. The original version from the Brian session was very piano-y. Uh, I much prefer this one, the, the, the final one though. Dat Theremin. So at first I was like, oh, uh, Theremin, awesome. It took me a while to kind of notice it back there. I don't think I noticed it when I first heard this album back in the day. The credits just say keyboards. There's a lot of different credits, and it says keyboards by Zach Ray. It might be a theremin imitating type keyboard patch because the the pitches do sound a bit um, on the nose, yeah. which is extremely hard to to get for theremin. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has a really nice uh, pitch bend going up and down. I really like. Uh, it has a kind of a good good vibrations feel. I know that's not theremin. Please don't at me. <laughs> um, but it's a similar sound. Um, I thought. Can I can I jump no. can I jump in here with my comment then? Yeah. Log- yeah, Logan, you, you might as well. Logan, which Beach Boys song does this kind of knock off the, the part, the theremin part? I feel like you know this. Well, uh, good vibrations comes to mind first, uh, but I because okay. I, I said that. Yeah, I. It sounds like something that could be off of uh, Surfs Up, maybe. Okay. Or Blake, you what, wanna... are you, what are you thinking? Play, play, jo- play the, Josh play the drop. Like this here. one is better. The last one I feel like fell flat on its face. This yeah. one works. The, and right. this one's shorter. And it's short. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sa- same notes. Yeah. Yep. Literally the same notes. Yeah, a little little Beach Boys song called "Wild Honey." So, yep. I, w- I wonder okay. if that's the same instrument that they it played sounds on. Sounds pretty um, close. Yeah, they played on "Good Vibrations," where it's Might like be. the ribbon. Oh, is it an Odin's Martinot? The 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 Johnny I've, Greenwood synth. 
I forget what it's called, yeah. but maybe it's controlled by a finger on a ribbon rather yeah, than yeah, theremin yeah. style. Um, anyway, uh, I, I thought maybe the song should have been called Steady Going Nowhere. That's just my note. Catch your <laughs> title. Um, the way that the, there's another first verse that gets repeated for a third verse, and I'm not sure if I like that whole practice that uh, when any artist does it, really, um, especially with her, because we know she can she's a, a font of great, great lyrics. So you don't need to, to, to repeat a verse there. Um, it's simple and it's catchy and it. it's an entertaining song for me I, I dig it pretty well yeah i i like this one um it, it, more word painting uh how the the kind of well not quite word paint she doesn't the word the li- music doesn't necessarily follow it but i do like how it rhythmically follows the you know please 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 with the kind of stop and start mm-hmm. uh, we're we're a little bit back to the the bounce of get him back or better version of me um a little bit and i i do appreciate the the lyrical change of of no more melodies to no more maladies thought that was kind of a clever little yeah, word yeah. play like there. Too. Again, another lyric that I feel like seemingly references the record label issues, you know, with the, with the give us something familiar, mm-hmm. something similar to what we know already. They'll keep us steady. Like it seems very much about that. Um, but yeah, this one's, this one's all right. By the way, it is a theremin on wild honey, at least according to Wikipedia. Boom. So some good theremin playing accurate. Uh, Josh, you said this is all right. That's about as high a praise as as I can muster for this. Um, I, I like. Oh no! I, I like the the line about uh, so so tired of crying. You'd think I was a siren. Um, you know, I, there's kind of some some wordplay there, both you know, like a police siren, but also a uh, a, a siren of, of mythology. Um, but I, I just th- this feels a little bit like filler to me, and you know, and, and I don't. I'm not setting out. Uh, you know, gunning, gunning for the track, but I, I just, it doesn't catch me in, in the way that, that, that some of the other ones do. Um, I think it's, it's kind of a pretty rudimentary chord progression, which I, which, you know, you don't really expect from, from Fiona. So, so, I mean, it's, it's, it is fine. Ona. Um, I, I think I like the verse more than I like, uh, than I like the chorus, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't really have an, a lot of notes on it. I, I other than I wish it would rock harder. I think this is definitely one <laughs> where it, it feels a, a little bit uh, timid, or you know, just get out a distortion pedal. I guess would would be my my <laughs> suggestion. Just give it a try. Hmm. Wow, this is like the one instance where I'm like the opposite of that, uh, where I'm usually like gunning for things to like rock harder. Um, I really oh. dig the one's feel for the, like how this song feels i love the syncopated stops and pauses and it yeah this isn't it, you, you say it's rudimentary but i think a lot of the time she's doing like the, her style is just so uh, you never know what she's going to play at least in my eyes or my ears like i never know where she's going to go with the, her piano parts so this is a little bit more like i can kind of like oh she's doing something a little more straightforward so i in a way i still see it as her being exploratory but I love that theremin sound. Um, I did have a question mark whether or not it was a synth patch or something, but uh, she, yeah. she has just her own style and it's just presented so well. And with the additional instrumentation, she seems to have kind of a different perspective on this album, maybe less angry and at peace or just a little blissfully lost. Uh, when she refers to herself as a siren, I also had that. Um, I really felt that and even thought that 
thought that same thing earlier when describing the piratey dark waters scenario. I didn't think that that was a bad thing, but I, I feel like she's trying to not be that. Uh, either way, I think she's owning it, and it seems like she's conscious and just kind of a lovely person. I don't know. I like this kind of blissful, Aww. aimless kind of thing. She just seems like a really cool and just nice person to be around. And I, for some reason, I get that from this song, and where I'm always like, oh, yeah, please rock harder, do something. Um, I'm like, you know, I I I like just the the at peaceful, you know, at peace with itself kind of feel to this song. Any any interview I've seen or just like her hanging out at home or whatever footage, she does seem like she's just great. Chilling out <laughs> yeah. watching Columbo. Like, what's the Yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. not to like? Like just like chilling out, loving her dogs, just being nice. Yeah. Um so wow, a lot of disagreements about that song. Tempers running high. Uh, we're seeing red, red, <laughs> red. This dangerous work trying to get to you too. And I think if I didn't have to kill, 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 kill myself doing it, maybe I wouldn't think so much of you. This one, as I, I think I mentioned, Red, 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 is maybe the most drastically different from the original Brian Session version. That one had drums and was a lot weirder. Chord progressions and melodies were changed around. I don't think I like that one as much. Um, Brian Kehue also said that uh, for this session, there were beautiful string bass parts that did not end up in the final mix, I get the impression he he's a little sore hmm. about not being allowed in on, on the mix part of this. But uh, yeah, I, I think I did hear some of the bass string stuff in the bridge, maybe, but maybe there used to be more. I don't know. I I think the vocal stylings are really impressive when she does the the ascending like red, 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 and the kill, 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 kill. Uh, I think that's really nice. This one, though, is not... Surprise, surprise. Blake is snoozing a little bit on the, on the slower songs. Um, not the most entertaining one to me, so so a lower tier, unfortunately. Blake, you couldn't be more wrong. This song is amazing. <laughs> okay. Um, Fuck me. <laughs> no, Jump no. out the window, Blake. You are full of shit. <laughs> Lay on the train tracks, uh, please. <laughs> no, it, you know, it's okay to not like a song or to like a song. Uh, right, th- right, right, right. Uh, and I, I am a lot more familiar with this one. I, I had a friend um, who, who was into this song uh, at the time and, and, and kind of got me into it. Uh, I just cannot say enough good things about this song. Uh, just the drum tones are so precise and crisp, and I love the strings, and it's such a departure from the original version. But, um, you know, it, it, I'd mentioned last uh, episode that When the Pawn, you know, some of those tracks I was getting vibes from uh, Mutations, uh, the, the the Beck album, well, th- this is this is giving me Sea Change vibes, and, and that's that's a very good thing. Um, I noted the bowed bass um, on the bridge. Um, I I love how it kind of de, you know deflates back into the verse. Um, the 
you know, the line about uh, diamonds and why men buy them, you know, <laughs> what's so impressive about a diamond except the mining. It's such a, you know, and then then into the line about dangerous work trying to get to you. And if you didn't, if I didn't have to kill, kill, kill myself doing it, I, I just uh, it really sticks with me. Um, and and it's just, you know, it's just such, such kind of a, a smooth encapsulation of this kind of, you know, ennui of relationships and, you know, he's been pretty much yellow and I've been kind of blue and all I can see is red, red, red. The color imagery really works. Um, you know, she talks about what am I going to do? And then later on she, uh, she says there's nothing else I can do and kind of brings, brings the theme back. But yeah, I, I just, I really, really like this song. Um, you know, and maybe that's just, you know, me picking a favorite and being a, uh, being a booster for it or, or, or a Homer. But, uh, but I, th- I think this song's great. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. I, I love the down tempo mood of the song. For me, I get this feeling of almost like exotica or a light surf vibe to it. Like one of those slow dance kind of surf songs, like think really slow dreamy version of like perfidia by the ventures. And I also keep getting these Beach Boys Holland vibes, too. Uh, it's just I'm kind of getting this California vibe with this. And it's just a real like just mellow, laid back, like something you'd hear on 60s television, you know, it, at, in like on a spy show or something. But like it's a it's a nice laid back part. And, they, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to the beach and we're going to have, you know, whatever, whatever scenario you want on the beach. That's where it's at. Uh I'm glad that there there's that cello that comes in. I really think that adds a lot. Is that a cello? I hope it is. Uh, it sounded like it to me. Uh, Maybe. Glad there's so much atmospheric synth going on on this album. Uh, also, the, more imagery of the ocean. Uh, I lost sometimes in dark yet beautiful waters. You know, so is life. It's all very tidal. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I love it. I, I feel like it's just kind of this dreamy lost at sea blissfully just you know drifting drifting down the coast josh tell him it sucks okay so i've got another comparison no i'm kidding (laughs) everybody needs to sit back and listen i'm gonna play a comparison track again no uh No. no i don't have anything for this one uh no i i like this one um i don't think i have nearly as much to say that you guys have about this one um i also noted some of the the lyrical stuff about the the colors and the mining. I, I think the the repeating of the word kill is cool because she says it so many more times than you would expect. You know, in like a typical yeah. song, you would think you would just say it enough times to fit the phrase, but she just keeps going and like almost bends the song to her will of, you know, like, no, I'm going to keep saying kill an uncomfortable amount of times. Um, yeah. I don't even know how many times she says it, but it just, it feels more than you would normally have. Uh, but yeah, the the tone and atmosphere of this one is is good. Um, we're we're in agree uh, agreeance, I think, on this one for the most part. Not well, I except for you, Blake, because yeah, you're a real me, so. piece of work. <laughs> There's a uh, not not a lot of love. I was going to say apparently for this around. album, it's not about love with Blake. For yeah, not a lot of love for my opinions on that one, but it, that's okay because it's not about love. Not about love. Love. In fact, I can't stop falling 
This one was the third single from the record. Uh, fe- the other one that features Questlove on the drums. I love the drums in this. Uh, another interesting credit is uh, Michael Elizondo is credited with Moog bass. So I think what you're hearing is not um, a bass guitar at all, but nice. um, Elizondo playing the Moog. Uh, this one has a video uh, directed by Michael Blyden, and it notably features Zach Galifianakis. Uh I theorized at the height of Galifianakis mania, but maybe not because it was before Hangover. It was shot at Zach's Zach's house. Uh, The two of them uh, met at Largo, obviously. And the gimmick to the video is that Zach mouths the lyrics instead of Fiona and they goof off. I'm I'm not a clue. I love this one. Sorry. (laughs) What? What? I'm not a clue. From that, sh- you know, baskets. That? His show, baskets. And I haven't a, watched. I, I haven't seen. I, haven't he, I need to see. He studied to be a clown, but he he pronounces it uh, a clune. Like I'm not a. He's like I'm a clune oh or something. And never mind. All right, I need failed. to watch that. Um, <laughs> no, it's. I've heard it's good. I I I love this one. Um, I love the way it plays with tempo changes. Um. It actually, now that I think about it, it sounds more like the direction that she goes with her future albums is is more like this, just kind of going wild and all over the place with with tempo and that that really quick six eight. Um, the best to me, I have to play my best part when it goes to the fast six eight and she sings a whole lot of triplets. I just want the listener to know how cool this part is to me. What is this posture I have to stare at? That's what he said when I was sitting up straight. Changed the name of the game because he lost it. He knew he was wrong, but he knew it too late. But I'm not being fair because I chose to listen to that filthy mouth. But I'd like to choose right. Take all the things that I said that he stole. Put them in a sack, swing them over my shoulder. Turn on my heels, step out of his sight. Try to live in a lovely life. Yeah, just the combination of the drumming and, and her vocals is what makes it for me. It's what makes it to the top tier of the album for me. I love this song. <laughs> the yeah just, buddy it's oh man i love all the the changes in like time signature so okay what is it is it six eight or is it i'm always bad with it, or it's, it's a three slow, it's like a slow six eight and then goes it's to kind a of fast like a fast eight. yeah i'm digging the big hits in the song uh this one just packs a swirling whirlpool of a punch uh this is her reaching her full potential here i feel like and I'm here for it. This is this song is where I live on this album. Uh, she's breached the stratosphere and is just heading out there into space now, out there with Jim Ward. And uh, this song is <laughs> weird and windy. <laughs> What's nice the, reference. <laughs> weird and windy. I'm sorry. Uh, weird and windy, and it it just likes to punch me and windy. Punch me right in the chest. Yeah, and windy. Yeah, it's just it's a tornado yeah. of sounds, and it's just. You get lost in the tornado, and you're kicking up dust, and this is just some sea witchery of the highest order, and I approve. Ooh, like Ursula. Guys, uh, I don't know Matt's feelings. He's going to have to uh, possibly be the spoiler at the end, but we might have some (laughs) consensus here, because I also really like this one. I find it interesting, by the way, that Questlove drums on this and Get Him Back, because Get Him Back is like arguably one of the more straightforward rhythmically on this album. He kind of just does this groove the whole time, and then this one is like the most off-kilter rhythm and and kind of weird, so it's funny that they're like, play drums on these two, Questlove. and He can do it all. Yeah, I mean, talented guy. Um, By the way, misheard lyric number two. 
Uh, I always thought she was saying, I miss that stupid ape, like A-P-E. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that's what I thought. No, why would that, it be that's what I heard. It's not. It's ape. What ape? I thought she was calling this guy an ape. Oh, okay. Like, oh, yeah, I miss you, stupid ape. Because, uh, I mean, okay, and this gets to the, the theme again, because it's contradictory, right? The, the The chorus, this is not about love. I'm not in love. I can't stop falling out. And then the line about, I miss that stupid ache. Like it just, it feels like she's going back and forth. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like she has been, but yeah, I've, I've liked this one for a, a while. This is one that always stayed on my radar, even, um, when I wasn't listening to the other stuff on the album. So this is one that I definitely, uh, like quite a bit. I, I do have to point out a more of that, uh, connection. Uh, she has the line about took a vacation. My palate got clean. Yeah, palate cleansers. Oh, yeah. Okay. The thing we do. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow it. It's the thing we do. Uh, Matt, you going to spoil we had, we it? that. Are you going to spoil it? Or are uh, you going to no, be this, like... No, this, this song's great. Um, Consistency. You know, Consensus. I, I really like the, the ramshackle energy of, you know, you really don't even have a good chance to to settle into a rhythm because they're they're all over the place and and i think everything that 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 she's doing is great um i i love the hard stops you know and kind of those like big poundy swings on the piano um she you know showing off more dynamics skills uh you know kind of having there's there's quiet parts and then louder faster parts um yes i also had down miss that stupid ape um, I, I guess that's just what it sounds like. Um, she's very ape. <laughs> yes. Um, the, uh, take information given at close range. Um, I don't really know why that line sticks with me, but it does. Uh, but yeah, it, it sounds like we're, we're, uh, across the board. Um, all about, not about love. We're all about love. It's better than fine. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, this is a longer album folks. It's no, no longer t- 10 track stuff we're dealing with 12 but this is the final one waltz better than fine if you don't have a point to make don't sweat it you make a sharp one So this is another one just taken from the original John Bryan sessions. And I got to admit, I love the decision to bookend the album with two um, songs from from that session. Somehow it just works for me that the two really the two most orchestral, the most John Bryan-y, they work as bookends. I don't know why. I I just like it. it. Of her albums so far, this is my favorite of the final tracks. I find it a lot more interesting than anything so far. Um, I love that it, it builds and it gets so big. It's damn near like a circus by the end with all the orchestral instruments that kept being added and calliopes and shit. I don't even know what all's on there, but a, a great a great ender for the album and a, and a top tier one for me, Waltz. Well, we may not have consensus on this one. Oh no! I I I don't think I like this one. Uh, I I agree with you about the bookend quality. It is a nice bookend. Mm-hmm. You know, you start with one, 
that has this sort of or- orchestral musical vibe, and then you end with one. Uh, I, I put that if there's ever a Fiona Apple jukebox musical, both of those songs would work perfectly. <laughs> like they just feel tailor made for that kind of a a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely appreciate the ethos of the song, you know, this idea that there's no such thing as wasting time and you shouldn't put pressure on yourself. Just, you know, um, I, I like that idea. Uh, but I just, it doesn't do it for me. I don't know. I, I, it, I liked the first one. I liked Extraordinary Machine, but this one, I don't know why. I, I used to skip it back in the day, and I, I think it hasn't improved much in my book uh, since then. So... Huh. I'm kind of on the opposite end of you, Blake, on this one. I, I do want to point out, though, uh, Ben Montinch is on this song, oh, uh, no who kidding. is the keyboard player for Tom Petty. Uh, so I thought that was Weird. interesting. Amongst many, many other folks. Yeah, he, he plays it a lot, but he, he's a heartbreaker, though, so I have to mention. You know. Well, yeah. Interesting. Okay. But that, that's my bit. Matt, where are, you, where are you at? Okay, I, I'm on one side, Blake's on the fall? other. Where do you fall Take in this, side. Uh, this um, spectrum? I... My note is, I think this song is just about fine. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 again, we've mentioned the book in quality. I think that works. Um, you know, there, there's obviously very kind of musical or, or cinematic energy to this. I think when those when those drums come in, it kind of loses that, and then it's kind of in this weird no man's land of it. it just doesn't. It, it doesn't. It's kind of a half-baked cake for for me, I think. I like all the piano voice voicings, um, but I, I I think I think the drums kind of distract me a little bit, uh, and I'm not really sure why, other than it just you know kind of jaunts it up a little bit too much. Um, I also don't know why they didn't fade out. It seems like a you know this would be uh, an optimal time for a fade out, but they just kind of do a hard. Ooh, uh, Blake doesn't like that. A, don't don't disagree. <laughs> Blake hates a fade out. Hate a fade out. <laughs> I I think there's places for fade outs. I I don't. True. I, I think true. It has its place. It has its place. Sorry, Matt. I interrupted. Do you have any but, other thoughts on, yeah, sorry, on bolts? Sorry. That's it's fine. Just fine. Well, yeah. Okay. So has she gone off the deep end at this point? Is she lost in space? Is she lost blissfully in insanity? I feel like this song is the dog sitting in the burning room saying, "This is fine." Uh, or I've finally committed myself and I'm off to the funny farm and aside mental health is no joke and I don't take it lightly but for illustrative purposes she sounds like she's just over it and doing her own thing I like this sound on her (laughs) I think it's a nice change up um, and it's still has a solid foundation and I think she keeps delivering on this just like you know she's going to nail it. I I feel like this song delivers what the first song was lacking for me. Like if you put these the the bookends together, uh, I'm going to pick this song uh because it's not as twee and sickening to me. Uh this sounds more mature and not so musical sounding or it's toned down a bit more, which I'm not hating. I was a theater person earlier in life and have definitely been in my fair share of musicals and appreciate the uh, blah 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 blah, but not much my taste anymore. You know what I'm saying? Can you dig it? Yeah, I can I dig it. it. I can get to that. All right, so shall we move on to our superlatives? Yes. Um, my banger. I think it, I actually have to say it's a toss-up between "Not About Love" and "Temps." 
Hmm. Don't make me choose. You're going with both. You're making the playlist I'm making harder. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I'm not forcing you to make playlists. That's that's your <laughs> compulsion. Uh, see, I, I go firmly in the not about love camp as the banger. Okay. Not about love. My bangers get them back. Those drums. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I, I really struggled with this one because I feel like the two best songs on this album, and I'm probably going to spoil myself here, are the two that Quest Love appeared on. And that's just coincidence. I'm not saying, you know, whether or not he made it the the songs, but they just coincidentally were the two songs I liked the most were Get Him Back and Not About Love. But the thing is, I feel like with this being a single, like people are probably going to hear this more or have a better chance of hearing it. So I do think that the banger for this is Get Him Back. Um, but I didn't, I didn't forget about not about love. So just give me a moment. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. So don't sleep on me. I don't want you to sleep on. Oh, well, it's not a single, but man, it's good. I also went with, oh, well, as my don't sleep on it. Uh, I, I can't get past the Beatles ness of it. It's got yeah. me. It's the horns, man. He- you guys are totally right that you shouldn't sleep on Oh Well, but uh, I can't let folks sleep on Red, Red, Red. So I am don't sleep on Not About Love because I feel like most people maybe are, aren't going to listen to that song. So don't sleep on this song because it's it's probably in some ways my favorite song on this album. It's great. It's it's what? not in her top ten most played on Spotify. Nothing from really? this album is. So. That's not what I was yep. going to ask huh, you. Not yep. about everything love. else is though. There's at least something from every other album, but not this one. It, and not about love it is. That's where top does it 10. rank within this be. album on play count? I not the most extraordinary machine. The not song the is the most. Ugh. It's so weird because it's not even one of the singles. Okay. <laughs> All right, the song we're going to skip. Um, oh man, uh, no offense, no hard feelings. I'm skipping red times three, Ugh. red cubed, <laughs> red cubed. I'm skipping waltz. I feel like this is, by the way, going to be the most divisive <laughs> skip it because so far <laughs> both of them are someone else's, like one of their favorites. Yeah. So, all right. all right, Matt, uh, you can skip, please, please, please. Okay, I'm gonna skip extraordinary machine, but you shouldn't. yeah and finally the song we're gonna cover it's uh too tempting not to cover temps and get into that groove so i i also okay so i went back and forth with this one i for some reason thought please 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 would be fun um much to uh (laughs) Matt, Matt we, chagrin. Uh, we are always so spread differently on covers. I don't get we it. Are, we are yeah. I will say yeah. though, on the same page, temps I have down just for the bridge, <laughs> just to, to rock out that bridge. We could, we could do that. Part. <laughs> that yeah, part would that. be the the hardest thing in the song, and then the rest of it I don't know about. But so I, I temps was in there as a possibility. And I might in, I might enjoy covering please 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 more than you know I I liked ha- how it came out on the record but uh, I I have down oh well and I don't know if that is just hmm. um, a function of of uh, get the string section <laughs> well you yeah, know it, yeah, it would take some hard. arrangement but um, but I I just think it's really powerful and 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 dynamic well I. Uh... 
I I said either get him back or maybe O Sailor. I, I think those I would I would like to Ooh. do covers of those at least. I thought maybe about O Sailor. Uh, get him back as well. O, o Sailor's not gotten a lot of love, so that'd be interesting. <laughs> Um, By the way, pretend I'm dropping. We need a oh, drop no. to switch to our overall I know. ratings. I was, I was gonna say, trying to think of pretend, something. Pretend that there's a little theme drop for final thoughts and final ratings. Thoughts. Before I give mine, I thought it was interesting to note that our favorite publication, Pitchfork, I guess ranked uh, gave two different ratings that gave the Brian version a 7.8 and the official release a lower score, 6.2. Those are their lowest of, of any of the Fiona Apple albums, hmm. which that publication generally seems to treat her really well. Um, Entertainment Weekly gave the final release an A, uh, but in contrast, they called the the Brian demos a distracting mess. My final thoughts. Albums with troubled productions like this can go either way. I do think that this the way it ended up is indeed the better version of the album. No question. Even though I love John Bryan stuff, what was leaked uh, of his sessions sounds unfinished and undercooked. Uh, sounds like the mix was not anywhere close to done. So it was no wonder that he was not happy when it leaked. He was not happy with how it sounded. It didn't represent him well because it sounded unfinished um, and just, yeah, just, just not done. So um, if I take just the final version of Extraordinary Machine on its own merit, I think it's a good departure from what she's been used to um, and shows a bit of growth beyond the John Bryan era into something slightly different. And it's hard to judge it next to her first two albums. Uh, the lyrics on those were all beyond excellent most of the time. Um, and there are, are many, many great lyrics on this one, but um, it had... Some points where I didn't think it was maybe on the same level as as Win the Pond lyrically, musically, uh, it's it's up and down. Um, but this is still an album that I'll I'll continue to put on just just to let the I'll let the full album play. I won't skip anything. Um, you know, I'll keep it in rotation. Uh, it it's still a great album, even though maybe it was a, a tiny step down from Win the Pond for me on, on this listen. So I rated it three and a half. Filthy window panes. Got to break that glass. <laughs> squeegee. So I'm going to wipe that shit off, Blake. Go I, get that I, dude I, over I, there. I, Give him a dollar to wipe it off. So as... What? <laughs> he's, yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. He's talking about a contemptible <laughs> snob over there. Uh, okay. A, uh, I'm trying to think of other things from that song. So when I first you know, got into this album way back when, I pretty much loved every track, except I will admit my patience got the best of me, and I don't think I ever gave Waltz as much time as maybe it <laughs> deserves. And, and, and on this listen through, I tried to, but it still didn't grab me. Um, revisiting it year, these years later, I'm not sure it holds up for me as well as I thought it would, but I should say I feel like outside of Nirvana that Fiona Apple might be the most consistent artist we've covered. Um, you know, I've loved every artist we've covered to an extent, but I feel like when you measure up just per album release, I feel like she is, it's hard to beat her consistency. Every, every album I feel like is, is got its merits and it's pretty good. Um, and that being said, uh, appropriately enough for an album that I feel 
contradiction is a theme. I go back and forth on whether I love this album or I sort of like this album okay. Uh, but I feel like I land on pretty good. And when I look at purely on songs, I liked like 10 out of the 12 songs, truthfully. Uh, so that gives it an 80% or a four out of five stupid apes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think this is her most eclectic record. And, you know, when you consider that this is this, the second version, essentially the record, it kind of makes sense that, that, that there's a variety of, of styles and sounds. Um, Fiona Apple's an artist who both, kind of has a a defined sound you kind of know what you're what you're getting coming in you're getting that piano you're getting the voice you're getting the sultry jazzy modern orchestral pop but she can also also always be counted on to um deliver some rubberneck moments of you know what was that um and she you know she does that here she's got a lot of ideas uh, a lot of irons in in different fires and and that's a good place to be but uh it can also lead to output that can sometimes be inconsistent uh, one reviewer called this record rudderless, which I think is too harsh, but I can understand how he can get that impression. Um, when it when it hits, it really hits, uh, and the returns do not diminish. Um, I think that working with new musicians and producers is is a positive. Um, I think she, you know she's doing you know different and more interesting things. Um, you know beyond what she was doing with with John Bryan but still kind of taking some of the best of those of those ideas uh out of that relationship um i i feel like the the filler might be a little bit more perceptive or perceptible here um and that may be a function of the the album being two tracks longer but uh you know all the elements are here i think the seams are a little bit more visible but overall i like the record i like the lyrics and the th- and the themes I like how it sounds. Um, I I don't think that she's you know trying to do too much, uh, but but others others might might not think so. Uh, so for me, um, this record, uh, much like um, Blake and and Josh, I, I I don't think it's it's maybe as good as as Win the Pawn, um, but it's still a, a solid record. It is three stentorian voices and a dog. <laughs> is the dog a half? More or less, yes. Okay. Matt always makes it hard on my spreadsheet because I got to figure out what the fuck a dog equals. Type, type a dog. <laughs> What's the, what does a dog equal, Matt? Type dog. Uh, I think this album was great. I think it's my favorite so far. Uh, it just started off on the wrong foot with me. Uh, I'm sure deep down <laughs> I appreciate that song, but yuck. Too much icing on the cake. Uh, yet, track two through 12 to me... I think they're solid. Really enjoyed it, and I love the sound on her. It's still distinctly her, but with more of an indifferent kind of energy, but not passionless. It's just a more, I've accepted and come to peace with something, and I may have kind of checked out a little. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's a way that I very much understand. It's just letting go and becoming somewhat emotionally unavailable. And I feel like that theme of this album was, uh, I feel like the theme of the album was resilience. And that's without overthinking and just going with my gut. Sometimes that means weathering the storm, surviving the waves, or protecting yourself mentally. Uh, Indeed, humans are extraordinary machines, for better or worse. Uh, So I gave this, I liked 11 out of the 12 tracks, giving it 92% or 4.5 sea witches. Ooh. That's like the, maybe the highest 
Yeah. I, I am excited to hear everyone's opinions on the next oh, two man. for sure. Yeah. Because they... Things are going in different they directions. They go in a different direction. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Again, I think she is one of the most consistent artists working today. Um, she, yeah. But she takes her time. And when she puts something out, like, it, it's it's a unified... Or not unified. It's... It, when she takes her time and crafts things carefully. I feel like everything is very deliberate. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it well, has I purpose. Mean, in, yeah, it has purpose. I mean, I'm interested, but the next two do go in a different direction than this album does or any other ones so far, truthfully. Yeah. I mean, ta- talking about crafting, like look at the uh, uh, length of time between albums. And <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of crafting. How many years is it until the next on. one, Idler Wheel? So, until the next. Uh, Seven years later comes the next album <laughs> we're going to do. It's called The Idler Wheel is Wiser Than the Driver of the Screw and Whipping Cords Will Serve You More Than Ropes Will Ever Do. A more uh, nice and succinct poem than Win the Pawn, in, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry that that happened to you, uh, but I'm not going to read <laughs> or, that. <laughs> um, g- I'm happy for well, you. I'm happy sorry, for you. Sorry, I'm happy you're sorry for you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, too long. I'm not gonna read, not gonna read it all. It's the it's the TLDR of titles. <laughs> I've never heard Yo, this album. Your music is so. real cool, and I'm, You've never but heard I'm this sorry album? that all happened to you. Yeah, I've never heard it. This is the only one I've never heard. What? So this is gonna be. Yeah. Are you it's serious? Gonna be a journey for me. I've never heard that. That blows man. my I, mind. I, missed... I thought you were in on this one. It's the only one I've never heard. Oh shit! I was big okay, on fetch the bolt. I bought this. I bought this yeah. one the day it came out. <laughs> the next one, so so okay. My my wife did, and and she has the vinyl of it. Um, mm, so she, bra- she knows way bragging, more. Bragging, bragging around here. Yeah. I mean, these things. All right, but what's uh? But we but next up we have a. Uh, you never brag week? about Goodwill finds at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. guys, today at Goodwill, um, I found the Holy Grail. Uh, Okay. What's our so next yeah, episode, that's though? The that's that's two weeks from now. Well, um, we're doing a pregame episode about long breaks. So, what are your favorite or least favorite uh, long break? When an artist takes a long break between albums, like so, favorite album after the long break? You mean? I don't know. You can just talk about a really notable long break. <laughs> hiatus. All right. Hiatus. Cast. Just, hi- can we call it break call- stuff? Yeah, let's call it break stuff, and there'll be a a limp biscuit drop, and it's like um um fucking uh, 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 at the drive-in, or you know stuff like that. Uh, All right. Fiona Apple does longer and longer breaks without fail each time. So, thank you for listening to more of that presents discographology. We appreciate you supporting our show by subscribing, leaving reviews, sharing on social media, and contributing to our Patreon. We are on Instagram at More of That Presents, Twitter at Discograph Pod, and Facebook at More of That Band. We do playlists on YouTube at More of That Presents Discographology. Our original music can be heard on major streaming services and purchased at moreofthat.bandcamp.com. Check out the other great shows on the Ox Podcast Network, like Nailed, a show where my wife and I go through the discography of Nine Inch Nails. If you want to support us monetarily, Subscribe at patreon.com slash oxaudio. There you can get bonus content, like original songs from our show, as well as all bonus episodes for Ox Network podcasts. Bonus discographology episodes available now. Also, we now have discographology t-shirts for sale with a kick-ass design by Philippe Sobrero. To 
to order one, hit us up online at any of the aforementioned places. I want to thank Josh, Logan, and Matt for helping me research. An extra thanks to Josh for helping me write the intro script for this episode. For our research sources, see this episode's show notes. Thanks again, and as always, don't forget to listen to music. Music